welcome tonight to middle of the week service here at Sweet Communion. Acts chapter 13 is where we're going to focus in our Bible study tonight. Start reading at verse 4, and I want to read down through verse 12. Acts 13, starting at verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had, got, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elamas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So we see this happening in Acts, and again, these things are in Acts are written so that we could see that God's intention to take the gospel out to the whole world cannot be stopped. He has a plan that cannot be defeated, and it's going on. It started there, it continues now. And so we rejoice at this. I've entitled the, the ser this series, And So We Pray. And here is a couple things to keep in mind to challenge us to pray. Let's look at the actions of a few people in this, uh, in this text. First of all, we see that there was one person named Sergius who wants to hear the gospel. Now, um, He's fascinated by the gospel. He wants to hear more of it. And it shows the people that God is, is touching and reaching to open their heart to the gospel. There are people who look at you every day, and they're fascinated. Um, not that your life is perfect or great. In fact, they're fascinated that in spite of what's in your life, you respond differently. And you, 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 your life shows that God power and his love is in you and that just fascinates them and so Sergius is fascinated he wants to hear more of the gospel well he's a good guy or, or, or one of the one of the, the actors in this play there's a bad guy in it and he has a couple names that he goes by his 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 uh, position or his work is as a magician and what he does is he opposes the gospel that's not a good thing. It's not good to fight against God, and we see why in this story. And then there's another person, in, a character in this story. His name is Saul, whose name was changed to Paul. 
And he's one who fights for the gospel and fights against those who oppose the gospel. And then the one that can't be seen in this story, but is, 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 is the whole purpose of the story, is the Lord himself, God, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and, and God the Son, all three working in, in, uh, in agreement here. And we see mainly the Holy Spirit acting in this text. So let's take a look at each one of these and how they act and what happens. The receptive man in verse 7 he says, it says here, um, he sought to hear the word of God. You see the last few words, verse 7? He sought to hear the word of God. That's amazing. People every day know, um, well, sometimes they come to the realization that what they're doing isn't going to work. And they're fascinated with something that works. And the gospel is that answer. So they need to hear, and I, we hope that they would desire to do that. But this this man shows the work of God in some way in his heart, drawing him to God. You may see people like that in your life. Make note of them. Um, pray for them and respond to them when God gives you the opportunity. Let's look at the second verse, second person in verse 8. He wants to keep the truth from Sergius. Elamot, what, what do we call him? Elamus. Verse 8 says, Elamus the magician but that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, meaning he opposed those who would bring the gospel uh, to Sergius. And it says here, uh, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Wondering why um, he was opposing the gospel. Well, it's no secret. Is the gospel um, is good news to some and terrible news to others. Those who want to live in a sinful world, in fact, those who benefit from sin don't like to see the gospel come in. We can think of, of ser several cases where um, people will oppose the gospel, namely because it's going to affect their wallet. It's going to affect their income. And, and, and we see that. Now, certainly we realize that with some of the illegal things that's going on. People who want to do illegal things don't want to see the gospel rule. They don't want to see the gospel uh, grasp the hearts of people. Um, but there's a number of things that are legal that would change um, if, if the gospel exploded and had its full power. And uh, uh, people don't want the gospel because it would do harm to their industry. That was the case with Elymas, and he, he, he knew that, and so he wanted to resist that. Think to yourself, what kind of uh, uh, industries um, would suffer when the gospel reigns? Think about that. What would be the impact on some industries if the gospel was, was more widespread, if the gospel was received, if the gospel was believed? What kind of industries would suffer? By the way, I mentioned we think of some of the illegal ones, but I also think if the gospel reigned in our hearts, some of the legal ones would be affected as well. Maybe new car sales would go down some because people wouldn't be so stuck on buying stuff and having stuff and materialistic so much. Maybe vacation industry would go down a little bit because we wouldn't have to 
we wouldn't be seeking those as our God and, and, and trusting relaxation instead of trusting God himself. Maybe a number of things would be impacted by that. I'll let you use your imagination on that. It, I wrote down a little saying. It's not something I quote from anybody, but it's just kind of a collection of, of, of worldly philosophy. And there's some truth to this, that greed is what keeps the world, world turning. <laughs> greed. Um, that the people want more, have to have more, and so wonder that the um, industries that, that uh, benefit from that, would they suffer if people lived more holy lives? I think they would. It was, some would benefit from it, but some would actually suffer. Let's look at the third person that's, that's acting here, and we see his first act in verse 9. It says, but Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. Third person I'm going to mention is actually not Saul or Paul, but the Holy Spirit himself. The Holy Spirit impacted Paul to respond to this attack against the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit that prompted his action. The Holy Spirit, he says, he was filled or he was under the control of the Holy Spirit. And look what he did and look what he said and look how he acted. It's the Holy Spirit that got a grip of him. It's the Holy Spirit that controlled his tongue and controlled his temper, controlled his anger, controlled his temperament, controlled everything about him. What did the Holy Spirit have him do? In verse, verse 10, we see him acting. It says, you son of the devil, an enemy of all righteousness. It's the Holy Spirit that prompted um, Paul to, to say this. And so he became strong, he became bold, he, he did not look so much for his well-being, but for the truth and for what God delighted in. And he spoke truthfully and boldly um, as the Holy Spirit prompted him and led him to speak. So we see the Holy Spirit working, and then we see Paul acting, and that's what we see in verse 10, as he actually spoke these words. And then we see the Lord acting again in verse 11. Holy Spirit prompts Paul. Paul speaks in verse 10. And then in verse 11, he announced this, and then we see the acting out of it. Verse 11, he says, Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you. Notice who he gives credit for this act that's about to happen. He says, The hand of the Lord. So Saul isn't saying that he's doing it in his strength. But God is going to do this. Now, what is it that God does? The hand of the Lord acts. And then it says, verse, the middle of verse 11, immediately mist and darkness fell upon him. And he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. So he became blind, just like Paul said that he would. God is not pleased with those who oppose the gospel. And, and we, we should be comforted in that. Um, we saw in Acts that sometimes the gospel is preached. We saw how James, Herod took James and killed him. He took Peter and put him in jail. But in this case, Paul is speaking boldly, and God acts on his behalf. God acts on God's behalf, actually, and shows that he doesn't like opposition to his truth, and he's going to let his truth go on. <clears throat> As a result of this, it says, verse 12, then the proconsul believed. He believed. What caused him to believe? Well, it tells us here, 
when he saw what had occurred. He was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Um, you remember, in fact, I'm going to have you go back to Acts chapter 8, verse 9, 10, and 11. Acts chapter 8, verse 9, 10, and 11. We see another encounter that... Um, Chapter 8, uh, verse 9, it talks about another man who was a magician. And he, um, what we'll learn from there, you, you can look at that um, later on. But Acts chapter 8, verse 9, and 9, 10, and 11 shows this person, Simon, who was a magician. And he had the people, one of the key words in those verses is the word amazed. And you see how it comes. And, and um, it says, he amazed the people verse 8. Verse 10, uh, excuse me, verse 9, it says he amazed the people. Verse 10, it says they all paid attention to him. Um, um, verse 11 again, they paid attention to him because he had amazed them with his magic. He liked being in that position where people praised him. People thought he was great. Um, and and he, liked, he liked that feeling. But at the end of things, we see um, that um, Simon himself says in verse 13, he believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs, great miracles performed, he was amazed. And so we see that the real um, um, glory belongs to God and not to an individual. We also saw that when, when God struck down Herod in Acts chapter 12 um, for, for trying to receive glory for himself. And so the point there is that the amazement goes from man to God. The attention goes from man to God. And that's what the gospel needs to do. It needs to impact lives so that uh, they no longer focus on man, whether it's a fear of man or uh, 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 unbalanced honor and respect for man. It, ought to, it, it belongs with God. And so how does this affect our praying? We need to pray for... Um, opposition to the gospel. We need to pray that um, God would uh, show his power and, and oppose that which opposes the gospel. We, pray, we should pray that God to give us boldness and strength to challenge right, rightly as we are filled with the Holy Spirit like Paul was, to rightly challenge those things that oppose the gospel and to stand up for the gospel. And we should pray, as we see in this chapter, that God would work work in our hearts and work in the lives of others so that as we obey him, people not amazed at us, but amazed at the work that God does. And they come to put their faith um, like Sergius did here, the power of God, because they see the work that God is doing. So we can pray tonight in those kind of ways as well. We think about following up our boys camp, following up our jump rope camp and our different activities. Pray that um, the gospel uh, we would support it as Paul supported the gospel there and that um, we would see God's power unleashed um, to save people and to oppose those who oppose the gospel. Brian? Good evening, saints. We're going to be continuing in Ezekiel 34 for our meditation. Last time we saw that God rebuked the shepherds. For a time of meditation, what I want us to do is to prepare mentally for it. And by that I mean 
let's put away the thoughts of our day and all those things. Um, now, if we were doing an Eastern meditation, I would tell you to think, what you to do is think of something that you are thankful for. Thankfulness is the guardian of the heart, so think of something that you are thankful for. Hear from the pastor, what was, what are some of the two main villains that we heard about? Magicians, okay, magicians. So what do magicians try to do? Okay. Amaze people, illusions, right? Well, they try to draw attention to themselves, right? You would never, if you was a magician, dress like a bum. You would dress in shiny robes. You try to call attention to yourself. And that's not how... It, Jesus' services act. If Satan could wear something, it would be dazzling. If he could wear an event, it would be a fireworks display. But Jesus, he's not like that, right? And if you look at Ezekiel 34, it kind of fits in that theme a little bit. Here you got these shepherds, and they feeding themselves. So what are they caring about? Themselves. What does the magician care about? Himself, his attention. What do people in the world care about? Themselves, their attention. So when they get into leadership, it's bad for the people, right? Because if the leader cares more about feeding himself than care of feeding the people, he gonna get fat. Everybody else is starving. He's okay with them starving because they have to come to him for food. That's what ungodly leadership likes. They like for people. That's why when you look at these countries like Venezuela or you look at these countries taken over by these dictators, they like the people to be poor. Because now the people got to come through them for everything. Now they are more like God. If the people was rich, they would be independent. They wouldn't need the ruler. You think North Korea, that he would have the grip he has over his people if they had any kind of riches? No, but because they could starve with him just saying a word. Now they got to worship him as dear leader, right? It all kind of goes together. But then God talks about his leadership, and I'll read a little bit. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks his flock when he's among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek my sheep. And I'll rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they will feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. What does God get from doing all that? What does God get from doing all that? 
that's the thing that is the biggest question that we can never really answer. What do God get from saving me? How does God benefit from doing so much good? He don't get none. That's why the number one ideal of a Christian person should be to be selfless. Because God doesn't get anything. God shines his sun on people who curse him. God rains down on people who have no intention of serving him. God allows us to eat good food. God allows us to live. We enjoy all these things. Some of the pleasures that we can enjoy, people turn around and use them for evil. But God freely gives these things. What does he get out of doing all that? That's the central thought of the whole chapter. Selflessness. What's wrong with the shepherds? They selfish. What is God like? He's selfless. What's wrong with the sheep? Well, as for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on a good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture and a drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat with what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddled with your feet? What's wrong with the sheep? If everybody only thinks about themselves, no children will live. Everybody old will perish. The only people that will matter will be the fit and the strong, the sharp, the smart. And in many ways, that's how the world is now, isn't it? But it's the love of Christ that allows all of us who have weaknesses and openings, right, to live. That's what it means to be godly. It's to let people who have openings feel safe. That's what I think about with God. Amen. I also think that's important for us to approach church like that. If you're judging between sheep and sheep, maybe it's not a problem of somebody being unsaved. Maybe it's a problem of them coming to church and making it all about them. I've done that before. Maybe you've done that before. You come to church thinking about what you're going to do. How people going to think about you. Hoping somebody give a testimony about you. I can say those things because that's where I've been. And sometimes where I go. And God wants us to get out of that mindset. Serve others first, amen? So that's our meditation for today. Good evening. I've been um, locked in on prayer, studying scripture and looking at prayer and intercessory prayer and, uh, you know, just some beautiful prayers in the Bible. And uh, everybody knows the story of uh, Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar's prayer, right? I mean, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, right? So can somebody tell me what was the, the gist of 
to deal with Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel? All you Bible scholars. Well, yeah, the, the first one, Daniel chapter 2, when Nebuchadnezzar had the dream, and he needed somebody to interpret it. And what did, the inter- what did the Chaldeans and the rest of them say? Can't do it. So the king was really ticked off. What he was going to do was kill everybody. So he says, the, uh, Daniel chapter 2, verses 13, so the decree went out. The wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. And so Daniel talked to them and uh, requested to see the king, that the king appoint him. And then what Daniel did really amazed me, and I, I don't know why I missed this before, but Daniel, uh, I'm in uh, chapter 2, verse 17. Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. And he told them to seek the mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men. So we know the story of Daniel, but it amazed me for some reason, I don't know, Maybe I was just in an amazing mood or something like that, but it amazed me that Daniel sought out his companions to pray. And it made me think of the New Testament when Jesus said, whatever is bound on, wherever two of you are together, you can bind what's on earth and in heaven. In other words, you have authority from heaven to bind what's on earth. And so it just brought to my mind about prayer, intercession. So my, uh, my deal tonight is, is to just, in silence, just cry out to the Lord. I'll end us in a word of prayer at the end. Just a couple of uh, 30 seconds or 45 seconds of silence, crying out to the Lord. I'll end it in, uh, in just a word of prayer for us tonight. Lord, as we uh, pray tonight, Lord, as we set aside time for prayer, as we do on Wednesday nights, Lord, that we may cry out to you, Lord, that we might intercede for that loved one or that unsaved one or that burden that's been on our heart, Lord, and that as a corporate group tonight, we might call out to you, Lord, and that you might hear our prayers and grant our prayers, Lord, that's done in your will. And there's a lot of things we each have to pray for, but as a, I'm just pray tonight, Lord, that as a group of people, that as we bow before you tonight, ask your forgiveness that you will hear from heaven, Lord, tonight, and uh, grant our request, Lord. Answer us, Lord, as we cry out tonight. Uh, there's some people among us that aren't feeling well, sick, sick, Lord, have medical issues. Um, Bob Kenner, Bonnie Dick is amongst us tonight, has a issue with her foot, Mac. Um, and so, Lord, we just pray as we cry out tonight that you will hear our prayers, have mercy on us, and, and uh, minister to us tonight as a group. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let's take prayer requests. I'm going to start tonight. Pray for me and my job. It just gets more fun. So as I was leaving work this evening, I get a phone call. We had a company who were described by the people who bought some forklifts from us as a company who all they do is work on forklifts and transport forklifts, and they know everything about forklifts. But they called and they said, when you watch the news tonight, see if you see a news report about a forklift that fell off of a truck and the battery fell out and exploded. <laughs> but these are the professionals. So pray for me on my job because this is getting crazier and crazier. Every day there's something new. What do you have to pray about?